guess I didn't think about that. You better start thinking about a little something else besides your own spoiled ass. I took on this idiotic assignment because I love your mother. I gotta wonder how nuts I am. Man, I've met some scum in my life, but you beat all men. You are absolutely worthless. You know what? This isn't a joke anymore. This is a full-blown mission. You're not gonna beat me. Let's rock. I get a woman. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Jamie, and Al. All right, here we are. It is Thanksgiving, and we have a special, special show for you. My name is Al. Wait, wait, hold. What? No, no, no. This isn't a married with children review. What do you mean? We're we're doing a special married with children review for the patrons of the show. No, 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 no. no. We're reviewing the movie Dutch, starring Ed O'Neill. But we're not doing a Married with Children episode. Well, don't you think they would really like an exclusive, just for the patrons, review that nobody else gets to hear? No, 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 no. You can't do that. And, and plus, that's just not how it works. Life's not fair. Sometimes you gotta take a punch to the forehead. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say we gotta review Dutch. Well, this is to thank our patrons for supporting the show. It's special Thanksgiving. Don't you think they'd, they'd appreciate a review of, oh, no, what I did for love is where we are. See? We have to do it. No, 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 no. What we do for love is review Dutch for the Patreon fans. Oh, good. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Since we already made that the title of the show. Uh, Yeah. Well, my name is... Al, and I will shoot you in your ass. And, uh... My name's Jerry, and I recently got my wallet stolen while giving a ride in a nice car. And I had a load of cream shot in my mouth. You know, no, I think you were the one drooling in the back. Ah, yes, you're right. I was drooling on a pair of breasts that I'll never get to see. Uh, we are reviewing Dutch. It is a Patreon special... Jerry's joining me. It's me and Jerry. We are going a little old school here and giving you a special Patreon exclusive. So this is Dutch 1991. God, I knew we should have did this last year. <laughs> it's all your fault. Uh, it sounds like you're just trying to find any reason not to review Dutch. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. It's this year. We'll still go ahead. That's fine. Um, it was released in the summer of 1991. Uh, why would it be released July 19th? Am I, I'm sorry. Is this not a Thanksgiving? Yeah, that's a really weird release date. Like, is everything wrong with this movie? You know, it, it kind of help explains why it bombed so bad. They released a Thanksgiving movie <laughs> in the summer. Mm. Well, this is directed by Peter Feynman. Writer John Hughes, you all know him. I mean, you got a taste of him throughout this entire movie. Well, I mean, they know Peter Fane, though. He directed Crocodile Dundee. Oh, right. I was going to get to that. Not really. This movie stars Ed O'Neill as Dutch, Ethan Embryo, 
as Doyle Standish, Joe Beth Williams as Natalie, his mom, Christopher McDonald. Now, is this the guy from um, uh, the faculty? Yeah. Wasn't he the dad of Elijah Wood? Oh, yeah, I think he was. Yep. I knew it. Elizabeth Daly. Now, that is that famous chick from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, correct, Dottie? I'm, I'm not a Pee-wee fan, so I have no clue. Uh, I'll rely on your expertise. Yes, I'm an expert at the things that Pee-wee does. Uh, she was the main hooker driving the car. Now, the rest of the people I don't really recognize, so unless you do and want to point them out later, we will move on. Uh, yeah, we can move on, because, I mean, I can name a bunch of stuff, but nothing, like, huge. Right. John Hughes is famous for all his 80s movies, to name a few. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, my favorite comedy ever. Uncle Buck. Home Alone, right? Or is that not him? Oh, no, well, he wrote that one. Okay. Christopher Columbus directed it. The guy who discovered America? Uh, yeah, actually. That's weird. Do you know any other uh, John Hughes movies, or do I have to click his name? Uh, no, he directed uh the the big like he like Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, he's like a big big name for like a lot of those big '80s movies. Um, right, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, Weird Science, which is amazing. I feel like we just referenced Weird Science in the future. We, sh- I think we did in the future. I can't remember what we did in the future. Well, maybe we did. <laughs> I think we did. So, yeah, well, let's get to it. So we all, I guess we have a good um, idea of what's going on here. So let's get to the movie, shall we? When I say the name Dutch, just think of Al Bundy. And when I say asshole, think of the kid that uh, is the kid of his new girlfriend. This is the first time I've seen a movie... Uh with Ethan Embry that, like, Ethan Embry's a jerk. Because he's normally such a, like, the characters he plays are, are very lovable. Like, because I, when I think of him, I think of uh, his character in Empire Records. Right. Um, or even Can't Hardly Wait. Right. Or, you know, even in The Devil's Candy, he's like, he, yeah, he's still a, like, really good dad. I didn't even realize he was a child actor until this movie. Now, he inspired your haircut in The Devil's Candy, right? Uh, yes. I've modeled my entire life after Ethan Embry. Embryo, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so Dutch is the new dude of a divorced chick. He is crude. He doesn't fit in with the fancy people. He's a working class hero, really. So, at the beginning of this movie, they're at this fancy party. I'm not really sure what they're doing there, but her ex comes over and argues with her about what they're doing with the kid for thanksgiving so basically uh reed the ex-husband is supposed to take the kid for thanksgiving but he has and you can't see it but i'm doing the finger air quotes right a business trip to europe to go to and he hasn't called his son to tell him that right yeah so that's going great so far with them too just so you know the relationship here the the kid Ethan Embryo does not really like the mom too much. So he's more into the dad. He knows about Dutch dating the mom, and he doesn't approve of any of this. He just thinks it's stupid. You know, I don't consider you anything. You're nothing to me. 
and you're just a guy dating my my mom. That's how he thinks of it all. So <clears throat> Al Bundy drops the F-bomb six minutes into this movie. Excuse me. I know that what you were saying to Natalie was personal. I understand. I'm involved with it now, so this is personal, too. You hurt her, and I'll hit you so fucking hard your dog will bleed, okay? <laughs> nice meeting. Oh, it's great, too. I Man, because I don't know how many times I'll marry with children. I would love to hear Al just, just drop the F-bomb on people. On Marcy, especially, right? Uh, Marcy, uh, fat women, uh, Peggy, his children. Just, just picture him. And since this is a Patreon review, I can, I feel like I can drop, uh, and not a lot, but maybe an F bomb. But just picture him looking at Bud and be, telling Bud to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, like. Oh my god, it would be so great! And this movie gave it to me. <laughs> hey, can you imagine if he's like Peg's, like Al, I want sex, and he goes, Peg, I don't even want to talk to you. Why would I fuck you? <laughs> oh my god, it would be so fucking good. I would, I would absolutely love to to hear Al Bundy <laughs> drop these words of forbidden knowledge. Right. Yeah, and it is bizarre to hear him say this, but everybody heard him say it. If you watched enough of his movies and you saw David Faustino's Starving, because they had this conversation at like a table during lunch or something, and it was just F-bombs and everything everywhere. So, but it was still shocking to hear it in this movie, and I'm surprised that John Hughes felt the need to have this in here because i'm not like at this point i'm wondering what is how is this movie supposed to even come off i mean it's a thanksgiving family movie i i don't know i don't know the target audience here i I don't this this is a really weird movie and as we get into the details people will kind of see it but like while watching it i I had the same thought i'm like who is the audience for this because if you take out the f-bomb and you take out the one like scene of brief nudity that's not like a real life person but like on a playing card like if you take those two out you could probably drop this into a you know a more family friendly movie so i just don't quite understand like it's still pg-13 and i guess even if you didn't have those two things it would probably still be pg-13 right yeah, to me, the film definitely feels like John Hughes maybe was in a rut writing. And so he kind of once again wrote what he knew and was like, let me throw a little Uncle Buck in here. Let me throw a little bit of planes, trains and automobiles, wrap it up with a little uh, National Lampoon's uh, vacation right. and, you know, put out a new package. Thing. It's kind of like, you know, Kevin Smith going back to the well with his with clerks or Jay and Silent Bob like. Maybe that's what John Hughes was doing. He was in a little bit of rut because after this, Home Alone came out, right? Uh, I thought that was 90. Was it? Okay, well, maybe he, he maybe that was the last good thing he could write. Probably. Like, he threw everything out. He threw everything in with the kitchen sink and had nothing else, so. Yeah, and at this point, he's, he's, he's such a big name that he can, you know, do whatever he wants. It's not like people are going to tell him no. Mm-mm. They'll figure he knows better. Mm-hmm. So, Doyle Standish is the name of the son. So, Doyle. Try to remember, Doyle and Dutch. Dutch is Al Bundy, Doyle is the kid. 
he's a complete asshole to everyone he comes in contact with. He's a self-righteous asshole, really. He thinks he's better than everybody. He thinks he's perfect. And everyone else is beneath him. He's his dad. Uh, he's definitely his dad. Because when you go back to the party, there, there's a part in there where Reed threatens Natalie with taking away, away like the house she gave him or he gave her and the money he gives her every month and the half custody. And which makes me think, so wait, you didn't have to give her that stuff by law. You you gave that to her to I would say to be nice, but it actually seems like you did it so you could hold it over her head. Because right. if you can take it away, that means it's not court ordered. And she did say something about getting screwed over in court by him. Yeah. In case people don't know, uh, she worked at like a, a golf club or something and he knocked her up and they got married to avoid um, a scandal. And that's how they ended up together until they divorced. And apparently he screwed her bad in the right. divorce. Mm hmm. Yeah. So the dad broke plans with the kid, so he has to spend Thanksgiving with his mom. The kid already hates Dutch, like I said before he even met him. Yes? Doyle? Hi, sweetheart. What do you want? I'm calling about Thanksgiving. What about it? I'd like you to come home. For the umpteenth time, I'll be with Dad. <sighs> Dad can't be with you, honey. He has to go to Europe. Um, he told me last night. So if he's made any plans with you, obviously he'll have to break them. I really want you to come home, Doyle. So you can get my approval of your new boyfriend? To appease your guilt? Look, you are old enough to be objective about me and your father and to understand why we're in the situation we're in. Yeah, I know. I understand. You couldn't make it work. If you could see both sides, you'd know that that isn't true. I love you, honey, and and I want you home. I've, I've booked you a flight on Wednesday, and I expect you to be on it. Forget it! I'm not coming home to spend a holiday with you or the idiot you're sharing the house with, okay? He is not sharing the house with me, and he is hardly an idiot. I love you, sweetheart. When he hangs up the phone after this, like, heart, like clearly dysfunctional family uh, conversation that every, all the kids heard in school, well, not all of them, but enough of them, standing around the stairs, they all throw paper airplanes at him, and they do a quote from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where one of the kids say, a little trouble on the home front. And that's the line that John Candy says to Steve Martin in that movie, and he says, I really don't think that's any of your concern. Uh, it was just a funny moment. But here, it's also good because it's a nice burn to the kid. You know, we're mocking your horrible situation because you are an absolute asshole and we hate you. Yeah, look at the fit he threw when the kid didn't knock on his door. Ugh. Like, I'm like, someone just punched this kid in the face. Obnoxious. So Dutch wants to go pick him up. He thinks it will be good for them. He thinks that this road trip will bring them closer together, even though they're not anything right now. While he's talking, I, see, I, I don't know if I missed something. While he's talking about picking the kid up and doing this little mission, he's cooking, right? And he's chopping that chicken up? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Br- brutally chopping that chicken up. Right. And then the very next scene, they're out to dinner and they finish the conversation. Uh, I think this is a joke that, you know, he cooks like Peggy Bundy does, that he's he's a bad cook. So they just gave up on it and went out to dinner. Yeah, yeah. The transition doesn't really pay off. Like, no, the the payoff is just kind of like, oh, and that's the problem with this movie is the payoff on a lot of things just kind of fall flat. Right. So this kid is just so angry and uh, like, you know, when he's doing the karate in the gym and the kid's like, hey, do you want to go to Thanksgiving with my family? They heard you're not doing anything. And he says no. And the kid's just so relieved he won't be there. Overly angry, disgruntled people think they're right about everything. Like anger steers people. It runs over everything, and it has the pedal to the floor. I mean, it creates tunnel vision that comes off as very focused. So it's like an illusion that you're right. And But with, with all tunnels, we miss the big picture. And that's what usually happens. When you're constantly angry and you have this like set in motion like thought, you miss a lot of the big picture, and you're not getting a lot of what you're doing wrong. Because anger is like this weird thing. And this kid, his whole life seems to be like they keep saying in this miserable world, you create it for yourself. Go hang yourself in the bathroom, blah, blah. It just shows you how that's not the way to live. Even to the point where when he hangs up the phone, this guy is cleaning garbage in, in like a hallway. And this kid runs over and kicks the garbage can over, not spilling the garbage everywhere. And the guy has to pick it all up off the floor again. Yeah, and and that's also, I think, a throwback reference to the kid who didn't knock because uh, Doyle says, you only go here because your dad works here. Right. Oh. You're trash, and you're going to pick up my trash. And the janitor doesn't even fight back. The janitor's just like, another day with this asshole. I would be chasing that kid down. And, and like, you you ever see when a dog takes a crap on the rug, what you do to it, where you shove his face in it? Yeah, you know, scientifically, that does not work. Well, I don't care. I would do it to this kid. I would do it to this kid, and scientifically, it better work. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't care what he learns from it. That's not, <laughs> that's not really my goal. So, um, I, I made an observation around this point. Ed O'Neill looks younger and fresher than ever. Not at all like his character, A Mayor of Children. I know. I was like, what kind of like you know how they're like de aging people in movies today with CGI. Mm-hmm. I almost felt like they did that with him in this movie because I was just like, wow, he I guess this is what happens when you don't have to film with seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that his demeanor and his overall look reflect what's going on inside. That's why it looks like that when he's doing yeah, he looks younger here than he does in like season one or two of Married with Children. He does. It's weird. I don't know. I couldn't figure out what it is. It has to be mostly the hair, I guess. Maybe it's like crushed down on his head as opposed to nice and combed back. But I, I feel like it's normally combed back. I'm just kind of like lost on what the difference yeah, is. I, then I think it's also like he has a much happier demeanor. Like he's cocky in this movie and his cockiness is actually pretty backed up as to where when he's cocky and married with children, it usually blows Backfire. up in his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just to further prove this kid's an asshole, he stomped and killed a cricket in the grass. Did you notice that when he was walking, you hear a chirping of a like a locust or something like I that? I didn't notice the chirping, but I saw he stomped, and I was like, oh, he must have saw a bug. Yeah. 
So Dutch comes into his room, and the kid comes in and sees this guy in his room. I guess he doesn't know what he looks like. So he attacks Dutch with his karate. He kicks him in the face. He beats him over the body with a club. He shoots him with a BB gun. Um, Just tons of stuff. Just beating the crap out of Dutch. And he basically says, stop, what are you doing? Don't you know who I am? I have to take you back with your mom for Thanksgiving. And this kid is not having it. He wants nothing to do. He refuses to go. It's a big exchange. They go back and forth. And Dutch eventually carries him out of the front door like he's baggage. He has a bag over one shoulder and this kid on another one. Hey, he hog ties him to a hockey stick. It's great. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that was a good part. Yeah, that was one of the funniest parts in the movie. And he shoved an underwear into his mouth. He's not sure if it was dirty or clean. And he tied the kid up, threw him in the back seat of the car. And then the kid says, stop this car right now. And he jams on the brakes and he skids for like 20 minutes. Yeah, that skid was way too long. It was in the days before anti-lock brakes, I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, you can skid, but still not that much. They still added more because it's a movie. Also, something I don't like in movies is when someone has something stuck in their mouth and they can't talk. And then all of a sudden they have the ability to spit it out. And it's so bad here. Yeah, and it's really apparent here because it's like, oh, I don't know if it was clean or not. And the kid immediately gags and spits it out. And I was just like, if you could have done that the whole time, why didn't you do that? Yeah. So then he says to the kid, I still owe you a shot with the gun. So we're already foreshadowing that this is going to come back at some point. Tiny nods to planes, trains, and automobiles at this point. He talks about why he likes to take the interstate or why he likes to take back roads as opposed to the interstate because there's nothing but concrete or whatever he says. That's a line in planes, trains, and automobiles. They go into Doobie's Taxiola and then it's the middle of the night and Steve Martin goes where the hell are we going? So John Candy goes, hey, Doobie, why don't you just take the interstate? And he goes, you said your friend's not from around here. I figured I'd show him around. And then Steve Martin's like, it's the middle of the night. And he goes, you don't see nothing on the interstate but interstate. Like he literally used the same line almost. And then literally quotes again when Steve Martin is yelling at John Candy. He says, uh... Hey, honey, I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. And here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me because he was being sarcastic. And in here, Dutch says, oh, do you have any amusing anecdotes? I did like the kid when the kid's like, I'm living through one. Right. So it's weird how he's like peppering in these things. It's Thanksgiving and they have to travel and get home. And there's all these obstacles along the way, which is exactly planes, trains, and automobiles. It's just a different dynamic, you know, with the kid and this guy. Yeah, it really is kind of like if this movie would have came out now, it would have different actors. But, like, people would be like, oh, yeah, it's a reboot of plane, trains, and automobiles, just slightly different situation. Well, just like that Robert Downey Jr. movie was with that Zach Galifianakis. Remember that one? There's, like, Home for the Holidays or whatever. I don't even know what it's called, but... I didn't see that. Yeah. it's a, they, It basically was a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh. Oh, yeah. I remember what you're talking about. Okay. Yep. Uh, his wife was pregnant. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's a Thanksgiving movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So um, it's all coming together. 
They stop for gas and fireworks and racy playing cards. He tries to get this dork to go to the fireworks thing, and the kid's, like, forcing himself not to have fun. You could tell he wants to have fun, but he's resisting because he just wants to hate Dutch so much. Then he pulls over somewhere to light these fireworks, and he wants the kid to do it with him. The kid refuses to have fun once again, and he lights them all by himself. And this scene goes on for, like, seven minutes or eight minutes. I don't even know. It gets... It's kind of weird. Yeah, like it does a good job for uh, uh, Doyle in his like bouncing between wanting to look at the fireworks and try and trying to like not have fun, trying to be stern about everything and, and the struggle he's going through to do that. Hmm. It does a good job of that, but it kind of just goes on a little too long until we get the the big accident where the firework flies around and then goes into the bag of fireworks and blows up and, you know, Dutch has to throw his jacket over it, which doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. When the kid breaks down and smiles, I mean, I don't know if this went for you, but it's like you don't even care because he's such an asswipe. Well, you know, I did care, though, because I felt like I was like, okay, finally, yes, he's going to do it, and then he doesn't do it. The thing that makes the the weird, <laughs> that messes up this thing is there's a shot when Dutch gets out of the car with the fireworks. Doyle looks over and sees the keys in the ignition. Right. So you think something's going to happen with that. So you're waiting for that to happen, and it doesn't. It turns out it's just foreshadowing for a different moment later on. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I guess. Because nothing. And, you know, actually, you know what? I really don't even know if I'd consider that foreshadowing. When he gets the keys later on, they're handed to him. It's not like they were stuck in the car. So I guess that's a red herring or a false flag. Or he just, to show is he thought about driving away. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. That's the only thing you could really uh, tie in. So, yeah, Dutch throws his coat over the bag of fireworks because they're all going to go off at once. And he basically gets his coat burned and ripped to shreds. Now, we're 35 minutes in. And I'm like, well, this is a decent start in the beginning. You know, they did a good job of painting the picture of who the kid is, the situation, blah, blah. But... There was not one compelling word shared in the car ride with them so far. No, and the two biggest laughs were the kid being carried on a hockey stick. And I, I will say this. I really did laugh at the jacket burnt up when he gets in the car and the mm. uh, the white feather fluff is flying everywhere. I, I did laugh at that. Yeah, this had a, a couple moments, laugh out loud, where he just go. <laughs> You know, those just not like, ah, but like just those <laughs> kind of laugh moments. Yeah, you chuckle. You you give a little lighthearted chuckles, but no, no full blown belly laughter. No, no bellies. here. Um, so they go out to eat with gross ass people um, in, in these like, you know, dive diners or whatever you want to call it when you're all out of the booth with the spinning chair and it's just they just serve you plates of garbage. Yeah, warn you about Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> this was funny when she says, what, what what would you like to order? And he says, what won't make me vomit? <laughs> then she take like, I actually laughed at that. And then she takes the menu and looks at it. And I thought she was going to recommend something that wouldn't make him vomit. But that just goes nowhere. No, I, I actually, the part that made me laugh is when she looks back at the cook and the cook just kind of shrugs. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. The kid has a constant puss on his face, um, still miserable. 
So they start fighting with the radio and the windows and the seats, which, again, is a planes, trains, and automobiles tie-in. But it's not funny here. No. Not funny at all. And it's not even comf- – it's an uncomfortable tension that's not a good uncomfortable tension. It's just like I don't know what they thought they were conveying or who's who we were supposed to be cheering for or anything like that, but none of it happened. So he smokes a cigar in the car and the kid says, I'm definitely going to get you. And then he ends up throwing Dutch's cigar into his lap. This is like the first sign where you're like, this kid does not think about his actions. No. Because you could have you could have died easily right here. And I mean, it's a common trope, you know, a hot thing falling into the, you know, the driver's pants. Right. And it's 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 kind of funny. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like this kid is an idiot. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't know. There are some movies where. Kids do bad things, and it just can it it gets conveyed differently. And just like the last scene we talked about, the fighting with the radio and the seats and the windows, like somehow these were not conveyed properly. I think it's the director, I guess, you know, something or the actors. I have no idea. Like whatever it is, I'm not getting any of these warm fuzzy feelings. I don't know why. I'm not that great of an analyst to film, I suppose. But well, that's the thing is I've heard you review movies, and you you are, and but I'm in the same boat here because while watching this movie, it just never clicks. <laughs> it never it just it's it's never there. There's a few funny things. There's a few like we're about to get to a scene which I will call. I did not expect this to happen, but this movie just misses the mark. So much. It's not like it's a bad movie. It's fine to watch. I would. I wouldn't mind watching it again in, in you know, years. yeah, a few years or something. But like, it just never. It feels hollow. It feels empty. It feels like it just doesn't click. And it's weird because for us being such big Married with Children fans right. and getting to see like kind of a alternate version of Al Bundy, right. You know, you would think we would be really, really into this. And we'd be all about this, but... Because the character is kind of like if Al Bundy's cockiness actually backed him. If he would have went into construction to own his own company instead of being a shoe salesman and marrying Peg. Right. This could have been him. hmm You know? And it just... It doesn't hit, and I want to like it so much. I really do. Right. But it's that thing that and in, in if you've listened to Alex's uh, older show, The Skeleton Crew, you'll hear him talk about uh, something clicking. He, you know, he'll watch something and it doesn't work for him. But then all of a sudden, the third or fourth time he watches it out of nowhere, it just clicks with him. Right. This movie is one where I always because this is not my first time watching it. I think this is my third time. Yeah, this might it might it's either my second or third. I'm not 100 percent sure. But this is a movie where I want it to just click. And unfortunately, I don't think I'm ever going to have that magical experience with this movie. It's just not going to happen. (laughs) Though I recently did have a de-clicking moment. You ever watch a movie that always worked for you and now all of a sudden you watch it again and the movie does not work for you? Yeah. That just happened to me. 
And I was like, oh, I got to remember to ask Alex if this has ever happened to him. Oh, it did. Like you, you have a favorite move and all of a sudden you're watching. You're like, you know, I just don't care anymore. Yeah, I was just like, re- okay, slightly off topic, but um, are we rewatched The Dark Knight the other day? <gasps> no, 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 not that, not that. Okay, so I was rewatching The Dark Knight, and I've always had a couple of complaints about The Dark Knight. I always felt the pacing was kind of bad, um, but watching it this time, I got a, and it's it's been like you know five years since I've watched the movie. And it just, like, all of a sudden I was like, man, I got way more in-depth with, like, I ended up calling Kenneth and him and I talked for, like, an hour just on The Dark Knight. Wow. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch Dark Knight Rises next because I, I, I liked Dark Knight Rises. I really did. I enjoyed it. And so I watched it the next day. You you actually had messaged me about uh, coming and uh, doing a guest appearance that may happen in the future uh on married with children possibly for the audience if they hear this and they're like oh i can't wait to hear jerry well you know what patreon you get the exclusive insight i'll be on a episode of married children but you messaged me while i was watching the movie uh i had to pause the movie to go do uh to to like uh figure out how uh timing and everything you're like, man, I'm trying to not like this movie as much anymore. Can you leave me alone? Yeah, Alex, damn. Uh, but I'm watching the movie, and this movie I've always really enjoyed. All of a sudden, I'm like, wow, this movie is not working. There's so many problems. And I was like, The Dark Knight is an epic movie. It's not trying to be epic. It just is an epic movie. The Dark Knight Rises is trying to be epic, and it's just not. It just has so many big things but none of those big things hit as compared to the big things in the dark night it was just very strange um but it declicked in my head <laughs> and amazing i and i hope the audience can like understand what we mean by clicking and declicking yeah they can understand like you watch something you don't get it you don't get it you don't get it then somebody says come on you gotta how can you not love this movie obviously you sit there then you know what this is amazing you're right. I don't. I don't know what I wasn't seeing. That means it clicked. That's all. Yeah. And I want Dutch to click so bad. Have you seen? It's a Dennis Leary movie, and I can't remember the name of it. Home for the Holidays. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, it's Dennis Leary's movie. He he does like a, a home invasion thing. Yeah, on Christmas or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kept thinking of that movie, and I was like, man, I love Ed O'Neill, but. I almost wonder if Dennis Leary was in Dutch and played the character of Dutch, if it would have worked better. As much as I love Ed O'Neill, I will say I don't think he was the best choice for Dutch. It seems like he is. It's in, it's embedded in our heads. Like, of course, it's Al Bunny with his arms up in the air like, oh, I don't know, you know, on the cover to make the tea or whatever that is and all this stuff. And it's like... A, a thing on Mary with Children. It's a big thing. So it's like, of course, Al is Dutch. Yeah. But no, not really. I think, uh, like you said, another guy probably would have been better suited for this. And number one, it's not great writing anyway. So you're giving crap to Ed O'Neill to try to make something out of it. <clears throat> and I don't think, like, for example, one of my favorite actors forever, Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. Now, he is the greatest person on earth to ever play Jax. Nobody could have been Jax but him. 
But when I see him in other stuff, I think he falls flat, and I don't think he's really... Yeah, because I love Pacific Rim, but his character doesn't really seem to... It just seems kind of eh. Just seems kind of bland, and that's kind of what's happening here, and it's not because I can only see Ed O'Neill as Al Bundy, because there's another... Because there's a few other movies where he plays smaller bits, and it works really well. Like, the... uh, the Adventures of uh, Ford Fairlane or whatever that movie is, he's hilarious. Ed O'Neill is hilarious in that movie. Right. You know, it just works. Uh, Wayne's World, like you said, he's hilarious. It seems like maybe Ed O'Neill is just not a leading movie man. And that's not, you know, that because, like, they had other people in mind to play his role in this movie. Uh, John Candy was, was, you know, one of the first choices for this. Um, That'd be weird. They thought about Tim Allen, Tom Hanks, Jim Belushi, Robin Williams, John Goodman, uh, Bill Murray. Jesus. Like, like they thought about other people, but um, John Hughes said that he was watching Married with Children, and um, he was just like, oh, this is so similar to the character I wrote. Ed O'Neill is the right choice. Yeah, you'd think it works like like that, but <clears throat> not always. And this is the prime example, I think. And even there's some moments where you want to get a touch of Al, and you want to get like, come on, do some more Al-isms in here, and this is perfect for it. Come on, do it, do it. And I don't know. It, well, you, here's the thing. Dutch does not have a negative outlook on life. Right. Perspective is everything. And he doesn't have it. He's not Al Bundy. So he's Al Bundy if Al Bundy had succeeded in life. Which is not Al Bundy. Right. Exactly. So the perspective is way off. And once your perspective is off, everything's wrong. Yeah. The so now we get to a point where the kid after the cigar thing, the kid stands on the side of the road and he throws mud balls or whatever at Dutch's car. And Dutch says, screw it, you're stranded here, go 15 miles up the road or whatever he said, and that's the motel I'll be at. Okay, so this is the part I was talking about I did not expect. Okay, yeah. I 100% was not expecting Dutch to, like, leave him and (laughs) not come back. Like, I thought it was going to be one of the drive off, turn around and be like, all right, you learned your lesson, do you want to get in the car now? Right. But, like, he straight up left this kid on the side of the road. Who know? We don't really know how far away, because there's no way in hell it was 15 miles. No. Uh, you know, it, it takes uh, walking in normal, fine weather. It's going to take you, like, just to walk four miles. That's going to be, like, you know, two or three hours. Yeah, it's really outrageous. He leaves the kid in the middle of nowhere, drives to the motel, gets all nice and cozy, and the kid is walking in the snow-covered side roads, trucks whizzing right by him. I'm surprised he was willing to risk the kid's life, honestly, but it's a comedy, so it's like, let's not take it that seriously, and it's, you know, but I'm just glad he did it. He stuck to his guns, left the kid out there like he deserves. So the kid says, did you bring my bag in? He says, no, I didn't bother. I figured you for dead. So the kid says, give me the keys. Dutch thinks nothing of it. And he says, yeah, sure. Um, Take the keys. Just lock up when you're done and come back in with your bag. The kid gets in the car. 
drives it off the parking lot, has no idea what he's doing, drives through a fence, drives over the road on the other side of the road. Then you get to a part where I guess you lose focus or something and the car is sitting in... You don't even know. I thought it was sitting on grass, but apparently it was sitting in the road. For some reason, a truck driver never sees it. It's not moving. It's just sitting there. I don't know why he wouldn't see it. He hits it, demolishes it. It goes flying off the the road into like a ditch. Uh, Dutch thinks this kid is dead, and you see like the first real serious moments of the movie. And then the kid walks up from the distance, and Dutch looks up and he goes, I guess this makes us even. Can you imagine this? Okay. Wow. Yeah, this... Okay. While the the big truck hitting the car doesn't quite work... Now, they could have made it work because it is snowing, so there is visibility problems, but they don't put enough snow in there to make it look like there was actual visibility problems. But, you know, you could kind of go off the whole, you know, maybe the truck driver was tired or something and couldn't tell the car was there... It should have, you know what it should have done? It should have slid down like um, a side hill from the road. That way it looks like the kid's driving it. Oh, yes. That would have, that would have worked really well. And then it would have given an excuse for the guy to hit him too. Yeah, this scene, I want it to be more impactful, uh, but it doesn't pay off here. But in the next scene, it does actually kind of pay off until they kind of ruin it with, with some physical humor. Okay, so yeah, when you're saying it pays off when Ed O'Neill, Dutch, is yelling at this kid. Listen, you little son of a bitch. You could have killed somebody with a stunt like that. That poor bastard was on his way home to see his family. And because you want to play some kind of a spoiled brat prank, you put his life in jeopardy. Now, what gives you the right to do that, huh? I guess I didn't think about that. You better start thinking about a little something else besides your own spoiled ass. I took on this idiotic assignment because I love your mother. I gotta wonder how nuts I am. Man, I've met some scum in my life, but you beat all men. You are absolutely worthless. You know what? This isn't a joke anymore. This is a full-blown mission. You're not gonna beat me. I've had my head split open, my nose mashed. I've been kicked and beat and left for dead. When I set you down on your mama's doorstep, you're gonna be one whipped little puppy. Oh yeah, throwing him in the bathroom, yelling up like you could have ru- you could have killed that driver. He was on his way home to see his family. Do you consider anyone else but yourself? And the kid's like, I guess I didn't think of all that. Yeah, you think he's actually g- this kid's getting some reality checks? Then we get to the kid challenging him to fight, and he says, "Oh yeah, you want to throw down?" And then the kid does his karate stance because he's a third degree brown belt. So Ed O'Neill tries to teach him to to scrap like a real man and just fight with your fists. And he even says, I'll let you get the first shot. He puts his hands behind his back, sticks his face out to the kid. The kid gives him a left hook, knocks Dutch completely out. And since the way he was leaning over and putting his hands behind his back, his body spins like like a 180, lands flat on his face with his ass sticking up in the air. Just stone cold still. Face down, ass up. That's the way I get punched. <laughs> and this doesn't work for me. Okay. Um, coming off such a serious moment where, like, this should have been a scene where the kid cried. Right. You know, taking in what he really, really did. But instead, they go to this whole fist fight thing. And I just don't believe that this kid can one punch knock Dutch out. Do you know how big Ed O'Neill is? Yes, I just don't get. I like. I, I 
It just is not believe. I understand he's a black belt. If he would have done like his kicks or something, maybe I could have believed it. Would have kicked him to his face or something. But, but his first time throwing a non karate punch, I'm assuming, because he didn't know how to ball up his fist, and he knocks Dutch out. Just, uh, I'm trying to suspend my disbelief. Be- yeah, disbelief, but. Uh, it just doesn't work for me. It ruins the car, the the almost killing the driver thing. Because, like, that's such an important moment where, you know, Ed O'Neill pays the, the truck driver for sticking to a different story, saying that, you know, my kid's a little messed up, sorry. And and the driver's like, if it wasn't for your dad, I would beat your ass. Right. And, and then it goes into Ed O'Neill yelling at him, being serious, like, you could have killed that man. He was on his way to see his family. And and we go into the physical humor of him getting knocked out. It's just not played well. It's this should have been our first big serious breakdown in the movie. This should have been the point where they start like kind of coming together, not fully, but like may like he's going to be a little bit less of an asshole and it it doesn't have instead the kid gets as we go forward into the next scene, the kid gets even cockier with, oh, well, I can kick your ass anytime I yeah, want Yeah, while now. they're eating. Like, this movie is the epitome of just doing everything wrong. Yeah. It, it just... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. A- epitome. Uh, like, it does so... <laughs> Fuck you, Alex. Uh, yeah, asshole. <laughs> it, does, it, it, it has... Every time it sets something up, it just kind of ruins it with these really small mistakes hey don't forget that we're a comedy you know like guys we have to have a laugh you know right after the big scene with some emotional weight to it let's hurry up and ruin that so dutch um and this kid are now laying in bed which they should have been doing right after the fight in the bathroom and then leave it there but no we go through the punch then they're laying in bed and dutch likes that the kid is looking at the smut playing cards and once again, you're right. If they would have went from the fight to this, that this scene would have been way more impactful of him realizing that the kid is a kid, you know, after yelling at him for what he did. Like, yeah, he deserved it. But, you know, he's got to remember this kid is a kid who is going to get excited about seeing some boobs on a playing card, <laughs> not a kid who just knocked him out in one punch. Yeah. And there's nothing said about it. There's no... We don't know what Dutch thinks of this. Nothing. It's just the weirdest thing. They're out to breakfast now at a diner, and he calls Dutch a clod, basically tearing him apart, total loser, works with his hands. He's not as smart as the kid. He's not as um, – he can't beat up this kid either. So he's a, a failure in every single way compared to the kid. He's totally superior to Dutch. Dutch says, there's one thing I, I could do that you can't. And he goes, yeah, what? And he goes, pay for my breakfast. So then we get to another great scene reminiscent of when he let him walk to the motel. Or, or they're both standing there, and Dutch is taking a toothpick to his teeth, cleaning out the bacon. And the kid is sitting there looking like he's dying because he didn't have any breakfast. And he goes, your water looked good. <laughs> so that was great that he really stuck to it and uh, didn't feed the kid. You want to keep talking? You have no respect? Like, this is how... Man, if you did any of these things today... God, can you imagine, like, the way that you can't even put a kid on timeout anymore? You can't do anything. Imagine being this hard on a kid with these kind of... You don't feed them? I mean, oh my God. 
it, you'd have the equivalent of PETA over there, you know, for kids. <laughs> it would be like this big to-do. So you can't teach kids lessons at all. And the way Dutch goes about it is old school. It's back in the 90s. It's a different world. So <clears throat> to those of you who are watching this for the first time and you're 20 years old, you're probably thinking, what the hell is all this? But yeah, no, this is how people used to be. So they're hitchhiking out of pride because they don't want to call the mom. And of course, they have no car now. Yeah, this is the whole someday you're not going to be able to just call mommy and daddy to save you and you got to figure it out on your own wits. I like that part. That was good. Yeah. So that's not working out. So they moved on to a bus. Again, planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, so he asks this guy who's playing a boombox. He tells the kid to turn this crap off. He does. And then the, his friend looks down and he goes, hey, where'd you get those shoes? Did you steal those? Blah, blah. And he goes, I charged him. He goes, you know, my friend really likes your shoes. <clears throat> the kid steps out of the bus wearing God only knows what kind of shoes. And the kids took his good ones. Okay. Uh, there's no way this grown adult, uh, probably in his very young 20s, is going to fit in this 13-year-old shoes. And the shoes he was wearing looked way too big for him. So you're telling me the, the big kid who took the shoes was wearing tight little shoes and gave him the normal size shoes? Yeah, like like this joke doesn't really make sense. And they don't show the transaction of the shoes. Which is makes it more dumb. Yeah. Well, how did this happen? Like, they could have turned this into a good scene where Dutch sticks up for the kid, but instead they, they go for the joke, and it, and it just doesn't really work. No, and it never pays off. I mean, nothing happens with the shoes later on. So um, then we get to a funny scene. They're rare, so let's, let's salvage them, <clears throat> where Dutch tries to teach this kid how to look sad and pathetic so that he can get a ride. And he's like in his face going, go like, and then the kid. This is the Al Bundy school of facial expressions. (laughs) Yeah. And this is like probably the first scene where the kid breaks down. Like we're hoping he would do with the fireworks. And he finally like breaks down and, and starts following the lead of this guy. So you get these two hot chicks in like a, um, Camaro or whatever. And they're looking at this kid make these fake, phony, sad faces. And it's to- it throws you off completely because th- they're coming from a place of honesty. I mean, they don't say nothing amongst each other to make you think they're shady or anything. And they seem like they really want to help out this sad – they're like, oh, so pathetic. Like this weird moment. And they, they offer to-, to give these two a ride. And in the car, you find out these two babes are – are hookers yeah it's the hooker hookers with a heart of gold scenario (laughs) is what it's trying to play off as but think about this for for a second you look over and you see these two people and and it looks like when they show the far away it looks like the dad is trying to cheer up his son but the dad's in pain like so he's kind of bent over like that's what it looks like Mm mm-hmm uh, so I can get how they're kind of like having sympathy for it. I don't get how they're like how pathetic. Because if they're looking, oh, that's pathetic. Why? Like, I, I feel like anyone who would look over and call them pathetic is not someone who would <laughs> help them. Yeah, that is a weird comment, right? Like, it should just be like, oh, my God, how sad. Look, he's trying to cheer up his son when he's obviously in pain. 
Yeah. Like, who goes, oh, how pathetic. Let's go help them. You know, like, you don't say that. Nobody says how pathetic is derogatory. It's not like. Yeah. It's just weird. Weird writing with that one. So they're hookers. Dutch falls asleep in the front seat. This kid's in the back, macking it to this other hooker. Was her name Brock? The one in the back seat is, is Brock? Brooke, I thought? Brock. It's Brock, and the one in the front is Haley. Oh, really? But, yeah, it's Brock. And I'm like, that's just a weird name. That's a weird name in general. Like, I can literally think of only one other person who's ever been called a Brock. Yeah, Brock Lesnar. Okay, th- make that two, because I was thinking about the 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 guy from Pokemon. Oh, I thought you were going to say the guy from Spider-Man 3. No, I was uh, – oh, there's another one. I guess Brock is a bit more common. <laughs> well, we just broke that one, right? We figured it out. Yeah. It's weird. It is a weird name for a chick. So she steals the wallet with no problem. Then we get to this bizarre scene where she's trying to steal this ring off his pinky. Yeah, this is a, is a really weird scene, especially because the whole time that uh, Haley is trying to steal the ring – Brock is in the backseat with Doyle having this, like, intimate conversation about family. Hmm. And, like, he's asking, are are your parents not disappointed? And him talking about his family issues and all this. Meanwhile, Haley's up front trying to steal this ring, like, licking his finger and driving with her (laughs) knee. Which, the whole driving with her knee thing, once again, I'm like, oh, oh, they're going to crash. Or they're going to wreck or something. Or have a close call or something. Nothing. No. Nothing happens with it. Like, I I guess once again, they're trying to throw me off, but instead they go with this joke of she gets out lotion and squirts it into his mouth and the lotion magically disappears from around his face instantly. Yeah. And the joke's not funny. It 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 doesn't, doesn't, nothing happens. Yeah. It doesn't pay off even when they park and they at the gas station and she wakes him up and he's like, they have this long, like, I don't know. It's only like 10 seconds or something. But it just seems really long as he's sitting there like just going like trying to clear the like figure out what's going on with this taste in his mouth. Right. And it's like, like huh. And it, nothing pays off here. Is this supposed to be funny that we know why he's doing that? That's it. The only funny thing is is Doyle drooling all over Brock's boobs in the back seat because he, he slept and he slobbered all over. I like that. So, yeah, the hookers drop them off at a diner. Um, they act like they're going to get some gas, get gas, get stuff out of their bag, this and that. And then they have a while they're walking into the diner, you know, this kid's all about Brock and, and Dutch is like, you know, uh, when we get out, I'll take the wheel. She's like, oh, no, I got it. So these two guys think they really bonded or something with these two girls on some level that they have some kind of understanding. Even though Dutch was sleeping the entire time, I don't know why he thinks he's closer than anybody. I don't think Dutch has bonded because he he reminds the kid where he's like, they're pros. They're good at talking. They're good at listening. Right. I don't know if it's bonded, but he definitely uh, has put too much trust in them. Yeah, to leave his luggage in there and, and, and all that. And then um, so I guess he doesn't realize he doesn't have his wallet. Somehow he realizes instantly, though, in a minute. Yeah, this doesn't make sense to me because he, he – when he sees they're gone, he automatically goes, my wallet. She took his wallet from him. Right. 
Like, he didn't just leave his jacket in there with his wallet in his jacket and they left. No. So how does he know his wallet is gone? That's just bad writing. He should have patted his pants and go, they took my wallet too. You know, I thought it was going to be they ended up eating and and then they realized that their wallet's gone and they'd had dishes or something. I don't know how well that would have worked with – you know, he could have been like, well – they took our luggage, but I, you know, at least we can still eat. You know, I don't know how they would have made that transition properly. Because the more I think about, it, maybe there's not a good transition to make it. Like if they just got, you know, yeah, the car yeah. took off with their stuff, maybe they're gonna go back and have a meal. Yeah, yeah, maybe that wouldn't have worked. So maybe this, this once again is just a scene that wouldn't have worked no matter what. No, but he still should have at least patted his ass and said, "Oh wait, my wallet's gone too. They took that too. We lost. We don't have anything." You know. But he instantly – he acts like he deliberately left his wallet in that car with his luggage and now they took off. Now, what person, especially someone like him, why would they ever deliberately leave their wallet in a car and walk away from it with two hookers that you don't trust and you know they're playing you up anyway? It's just bizarre. The whole thing doesn't work. Then we get to a point where the girls say, I don't know. I kind of felt like I finally got some respect from these two or she felt like whatever. Like uh, she was treated well by them. And then, no, they just still took off. They're, like nothing, nothing, nothing pays off. Nothing. From the jokes to the, the talk to the wallet to them leaving to them feeling respected before they leave. Nothing. I just don't get it. The kid now wants to fight again dutch doesn't want to and he like kicks in anger his shoe goes flying and it lands on his face now i I think that's like a little bit of an al bundy nod like his his shoe i don't know it's not like it the smell knocked him out or anything but you always think al bundy and shoes yeah but the physical comedy in this movie most of the time falls flat just like he did in this scene Mm mm-hmm yeah Oh, he also ripped the ass of his pants right down the middle. Here's the deal, Dobbsy. I had 200 bucks in the wall. You said you were broke. I lied. You dishonest, stupid jerk. We had money all this time. We could have been home. Probably. But I had this plan. Yeah, I know. No, you don't know. I know you were playing around. Stretching this whole thing out so we could get to know each other. And then it blew up in your face. I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm also out of ideas. I'm just going to sit here and hope I get arrested. So I can get some sleep. Call your mother. Have her send somebody for you. You can call, can't you? I don't want to call. I'm sitting here and that's it. You talk to your mom. You tell her that I said uh, good luck. Tell her the Dutch boy's calling it quits. You're dumping my mom? I'm sparing her of a life of this kind of misery. She's going to blame me. I'll write a letter for you. Nice letter. Okay? I thought you loved her. I've talked and talked and talked to you until I could puke coat hangers. I'm me, you're you. There's no reason on earth why we should spend any more time with each other. Okay. I just think it's really sick that you cut my mom loose because you can't get along with me. 
Why? You hate her. Don't fret, it's okay. She puts up with your crap, she can handle mine. I never said that I hated her. No, I'm sorry. You're the picture's worth a thousand words, guy. Yeah. Now go on, go on, make your call. Give me some peace. I don't hate my mother. For the record. Kiss my ass for the record. Act like a rodent around somebody else. You busted my balls, congratulations. Go on. It's like he wants this guy with his mom now. He's starting to feel the true remorse or whatever. He's realizing his actions, I yeah, guess. Yeah, because of his conversation in the backseat with a hooker. And I do want to give props to this scene. Normally in movies like this, it's the uh, parent to the child throwing out the the boyfriend-girlfriend over the kid. Like they take the kid's side even though the kid's wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is actually cool because it flips it on its head and it's like, you know what? I can't deal with you, uh, so I'm not. I'm leaving your mother. Like I thought this was actually a nice flip, and it, it's one moment I will give props to this movie for flipping this trope on its head. Yeah, it was good. I did like that. And then the kid now he's like, does my, did my mom ever said that she thinks I hate her? Now he's feeling guilty about how he treats his mom too. That's when Dutch moons him. He's not even going to answer him. He could care less anymore. He bends over and exposes his ripped crack in his ass. Uh, Did you notice the truck behind them? It said Crystal Lake Leasing. No, I didn't. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I made a Crystal Lake joke earlier, too. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't know how it all comes together, but... Like, he's hurt that he, he... of the accusations that he hates his mother. But he goes to call his dad... At his at his dad's house, which his dad shouldn't be at, so it's weird that he called there. Uh, but a woman answers and says that his dad is sleeping, and he hangs up and he realizes that his dad, instead of hanging out with him, chose to spend the weekend with some chick. Yep. You know, his father ditched him for some random broad for the holidays, while his mother you know sent her boyfriend to come pick him up right and and that scene i think that leads to the ending where when he says who wasn't she says a kid you see the face the dad made yeah yeah that's where he kind of realized oh shit so that's what led to the end right i'm assuming yes yeah you're 100 yeah. percent right okay and he wants to go home with dutch now and doesn't want to call him on he wants to do it on their own so the kid says something about being horny or something, and he gets a high five over it. I really could. I rewinded it, too. I couldn't make out what he said. Yeah, I was like, did he really say horny? Like, And I guess that's a bonding moment over the the hook being rolled by hookers, um, which it, it's kind of funny. But, like, I don't know, like, what the, what, the delivery – should have worked, but it didn't because it was hard to understand what he said. They should have made the kid redo the line uh, to sound clearer. I don't, that that was a, that's a technical issue there. We're not masters of the highway. We were robbed by homebound hookers. Only because you fell asleep and I... Uh, horny. So they hitch a ride on a truck that's carrying these big, like, round cylinder things or whatever. They're just sitting inside of it, which they could easily be killed. Uh, yeah, I was sitting there like, <laughs> one, it's got to be 
freezing. Oh, and the hardness of the concrete. Oh like, and you kind of get that because when uh, when Dutch when they get out, Dutch is kind of bent over. He's having a hard time walking. But I was like, I was like, okay, I get it. They're these cement tunnel things, and uh, Dutch said he used to be a uh, cement truck driver. Mm-hmm. They run into these two security guards after they the truck is dropped off and they're leaving the truck area. And it is this most out-of-nowhere scene ever. These two security guards are just, like, the biggest assholes on earth. And they're, like, clubbing the crap out of Dutch with these nightsticks. This kid uses karate on the guards, and it actually works. Like, he jumps up and does a, a flying kick and all this other crap, these backward punches. And it's, like, ridiculous. And it's working. He goes over to Dutch and he grabs that fake gun out of his jacket. And then we get to a scene where, like, Dutch is like, uh, just tell the, tell your voices that you already killed somebody. Why are we doing this? I'm not even understanding, like, to scare the guards? Well, I think this is a throwback to the first time they ever really kind of clicked. Like you said earlier, like, uh, when he's trying to teach the kid how to, like, look pathetic and beg uh, right. Before they get picked up by the hookers, like I think it's a throwback to them with him going, "Hey, remember when I told you to act pathetic? Now you got to act crazy. Get it? Act act like you're insane." Because you got to think at this point, the security guards think they're just two homeless people, you know. And you know, if a homeless person pulls a gun on you and says he hears voices, wouldn't you be a little afraid, even if it is a kid? Yes. So I guess the whole thing is to just scare them. Now he easily could have just pointed it at them. And slowly backed out of the gate. But instead, we're going to go through this, I'm crazy. So you just, now we're going to make the security guards afraid. And then we're going to still leave. So that that's the only thing. Like, nothing pays off. It was going good. I liked how Ethan Embryo was acting when he was like, yeah, no, no, man. They, they want me to keep doing it. It's not working. You know, and then he started getting into the role. Don't kill them. We'll burn down a hotel. Doesn't that sound nice? Yeah. And you think like, okay, this is cool. And all of a sudden, they leave. And I, I just don't even understand anything here. Again, planes, trains, and automobiles tie-in is that they say that they're on their way to Chicago. So that's where they, that's where Steve Martin and John Candy were going. And that's also where uh, Home Alone takes place. Kevin McAllister lives in Chicago. There, there's a whole thing about the Hughes universe and a bunch of these movies being in the same universe. Right. Mm-hmm. And I could see that the case, but that also means a lot of people had the exact same thing happen to them. Right. Then you get to a part where they go into, like, I guess a nice restaurant. They look disheveled. They want to go to the bathroom because this kid's head's bleeding. And the waitress completely is disgusted by them and says, get out of here, you you vagrants or whatever. And she's like, you you can't come here. Can, can we use the bathroom? No, get out. Can he use it? Just a clip? No. The big thing is that you're looking at the two customers in the booth and you're supposed to be thinking that they are so, oh my God, what are these two disgusting homeless people doing here? And they're happy that the waitress is doing this. But then all of a sudden you realize that the looks on their faces are more of, oh my God, look at these two. They need help. Yeah. And that also went nowhere. You think that the the waitress would be told something and it'd be completely in shame of herself of how she treated them. Yeah, it turns out to just be a really, like, bad move the plot forward thing to get them to this homeless shelter. 
Right. And when they get dropped out of the home show, I'm like, really? That all? What? <laughs> yeah, we went through that scene and thought we were going to get some kind of moral character arc of this waitress and how to treat people just because they're not all so fortunate. And you think that these people are going to say something to her and she'll feel like an asshole. But no, they just go right to Dutch and the kid and say, hey, we can help you. There's a place for displaced families. And they bring them to this homeless shelter. So again, something that goes absolutely nowhere. And when they're dropped off a homeless shelter, like Dutch and Doyle, they don't even really say anything. They just kind of stand there and it's very awkward. (laughs) And I was just like, what What in the world is going on? on like they don't like do they even say thank you i don't know i don't think I don't, so. I, like i don't think they say anything <clears throat> it's weird it's weird and you know what and then it goes into just a the this food eating scene where they're in the shelter and they're eating food and it's this long thing of doyle properly prepping his uh place setting and for the meal it is just really long and awkward and not funny yeah, it's not. Everyone's staring at him, and, and Dutch is just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, Dutch, him, I hate his reaction to this, too. And they're all just staring at him because of how proper he does everything, how he wipes his mouth down with a, a wet nap or whatever you call it, wet wipe. And he washes his hands with it, and he tucks it back into the wrapper, and everyone's like... Like, they're all looking at him like, hey, we're all dirtbags who don't care, and we just, we're slobs, and nothing is proper with us, man. We're, uh, you know, we're on skid row and this and that, and this guy is treating this like, you know. But the only thing you get out of it was the funniest line. The the only payoff to the whole scene was when Dutch goes, would you like to see the wine list? <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess it's supposed to set up, like, and they didn't need to do this long, drawn-out scene for this Mm-mm. emotional setup of... A little girl next to him trying to get a piece of his bread and he gives it to him. You've seen Aladdin, right? The Disney cartoon movie. Mm-mm. You've never seen that movie? Really? No, no. I don't watch anything from Disney. I, I'm, I'm not a big Disney fan. I do not watch a lot of Disney stuff. But um, there, there, there's a scene similar to that movie where Aladdin and his pet monkey Abu steal bread and, and they're eating the bread and Aladdin notices there's these kids digging in a, in a like trash can pot thing and he goes over there and hands them his bread and Abu the monkey is like no I'm not I'm shaking his head he's not gonna give him any bread but then he looks at the kids and, and changes his mind and goes over and gives them the bread wow and it just works way better compared to this scene <laughs> where he goes where, this is mine yeah this is and mine. then he just hands it to her or half of it um yeah he gives a little girl bread so he's arcing himself. He's becoming not such an asshole. So they're all sleeping on cots. Dutch didn't click his properly, and so it collapsed, woke everybody up. Then it slowly collapsed again. Um, then they switch. Then the kid looks around at all the unfortunate people. Then this uh, lady starts talking to him, and she calls Dutch. She says, is that your dad? And he's, it took him a little bit, and he says, yes. So that was a big turning point because, number one, he's not, uh, but he didn't mind being – didn't mind representing him as if he were. So that's a big moment in their relationship, which only all happened to the guest. Like this whole revelation all happened there. So that was the only real powerful scene, I mean, except for the yelling in the bathroom too. So, 
you got this those two real moments that really got got us anywhere this is the big moral moment as he realizes his he's always thought you know the rich was was the best thing but now he realizes that you know his rich dad only cares about himself he's being selfish and everyone keeps saying that he's selfish now he realizes it sitting in this place where he's seeing all these less uh, these unfortunate people, you know, and he's, and he's, he, it's a moment he really realizes. And I want this moment to come off as more heartwarming, mm. but it really doesn't. It's kind of meh. It's kind of bland. And then the whole, uh, bed always collapsing thing goes on a little too long. It's just not that funny. It's not funny at all. It, yeah. This once again, it just misses the mark. It feels like, it feels like this movie really, really needed a rewrite. Oh, God. It needed someone who's actually funny to punch up the script. There were no laughs here. And I know there were supposed to be. Don't tell me this was not a comedy. This had to be a comedy on some level. Comedy with a heartwarming, you know, whatever. But just like Planes, Trains, Automobiles, why is that so perfect and this isn't? Because this is this this one is just a more – okay – Generic version of that. So I've said, I know some a lot of people listening to this aren't horror fans. So they probably haven't seen Rob Zombie's Thirty One. But I've always said that Rob Zombie's Thirty One is someone trying to make a generic Rob Zombie movie, and it turns out that it was Rob Zombie who did it. <laughs> this is the same thing. This is someone trying to make a generic John Hughes movie, and it turns out it was John Hughes who wrote it. It's <sighs> like if someone if like this is a John Hughes ripoff movie. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that John Hughes ripping off himself. Right. Yeah. He makes sure that Dutch knows he called him dad and says he meant it, um, which doesn't make sense. What do you mean you mean it? It's not true. <laughs> so <laughs> what you mean is you don't say, and I meant it. What you mean is, and I, he, I'm he, happy to say it or something. Or, like that, you or and you're doing a good job at it. Or I, I wish I wish it it was true or something like that, you know? Yeah, something like that, not not just, and I meant it. Like, <laughs> you're not far enough along, I don't think. No. And so this is like the third move-along moment with this relationship with them. So he says he will still shoot him in the ass. And the cot collapses again. Hey, if it's not funny the first time, try and try again. Yeah, I do like the ongoing joke of, of the of shooting him in the ass, though. I will say yeah, that good. that is that is an ongoing joke that does really work because they they always kind of bring it up in a moment where they're bonding, and so the kid thinks, oh well, you know, now we're we're bonding and I'm gonna get away with it, and he's like, no, little buddy, this is the real world. You owe it, you pay it. Yep. So now we're at the mom's house. It's Thanksgiving. The doorbell rings. She grabs the neck of dutch and kisses him oh wait a minute it's not dutch guess who showed up unexpectedly to thanksgiving with absolutely no notice the ex-husband uh doyle's father the asshole reed is in the building also i want to point out reed is a weird name yeah, he, we get a uh, mayor of children joke when he says what were you expecting the mailman <laughs> that was, that was good. good yeah that was good so now these homeless people that the kid was talking to, you know, the dad lost his job and they just didn't have the money for the mortgage and now they're homeless. So 
these people, um, since she bonded with the kid, I guess, which I didn't think that was a very bonding conversation they had at, at the homeless shelter. I mean, they just kind of exchanged a few thoughts, but okay. So these people drive them to this house. Now, can you imagine these homeless people in that car, which looks exactly like planes, trains, and automobiles, by the way, after they it gets smashed between the two tractor trailers? Uh, so another nod. I've I've got to admit a dumb moment real quick. Okay. When they show the beat up car, I was like, "Wait, how did they get their car back? It was trashed by the truck." And then they show the drive the drivers, and I was like, "Oh!" But I didn't put it together that it was the lady from the 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 family from the shelter. I was just like, "Oh, they got someone to drive them off." And I was like, "Well, that's gonna be really awkward as they cut to you know them pulling into this giant house, and it's like, um, are you gonna go in and get them some money for them or something? What's going on here? You can give them stuff out of the house to sell, just so they could eat for a month, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just pulling up to that house is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, it's the dumbest thing ever. Uh, like, it's a laugh out loud." But- they do pull it off because uh, Dutch, you know, tells the husband, you know, call call my office on Monday and I'll hook you up. So obviously he's going to give him a job uh, and help them get back on their feet. I admit that did save the whole scenario. Yeah. But at first I was really confused. Ugh, yeah. I was just like, how is this going to work? What are you doing? But this is an instant where they did actually save it. It did make sense. So let's give credit where credit is due. They pulled this one off. Yes. So they ring the doorbell. The ex-husband opens the door. The kid doesn't really even acknowledge him. He just looks over at the mom. He runs for her and he hugs her. And I'm asking, like, why is the ex even here? We know why. It's from that phone call earlier and he just something triggered him. But I don't know why she lets him in. And hey, OK, one, she lets him in because he owns the house. two back at the beginning of the film uh he says a very important line where he goes i i I, some of those lines of i won't lose i refuse to lose so he's only there i don't think he's there for his son i think he's there to make sure he's not the loser of the situation he's not the loser and he can rub it in her face because he he apparently is very uh, vindictive towards her and like I said he only gave her a house and gives her that monthly income and shares custody with the kid so that he can always hold it over her face because she got screwed over in court as said by in the movie by her so she has only what he gives her right yeah you're right you're right that's exactly what the what the whole relationship is I believe so the kid gets a choice who he's going to stay with or whatever, go who go with today or whatever the situation. And he chooses the mom and Dutch over the dad. And the dad says, I want you out of here by Monday. So it's Thursday, obviously. So Monday, she is out of that house. How much of a dick do you have to be to tell your 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 baby mama that she has to get out of the house? In what four days, and tell her that on a holiday in front of your child. Unbelievable. Like he's a dick. Don't get me wrong, but I felt this was a, a little, a little cruel. But I guess it had. To, it was. It's one of those things where we have to do it to move the plot along to get to 
the redemption finale. Right. Well, the redemption is that the guy leaves the house. Dutch holds the door open, tells them he'll be right back. He says, hey, excuse me. You want Allie out when? He goes, Monday. So he takes his ring. He flips it to the palm part of his hand and pops the guy on the forehead which is a callback to when he said the last guy who ever punched me has an indent of my ring on his forehead. He gets an indent on his forehead now of this ring. And he goes, when does she have to leave? And he goes, Friday. And he goes, huh? No, I think she needs more time. I'd, how about six months? And th- now the guy's delirious. He looks like he just was hit by a sledgehammer or something. And he's just, you know, you could see the birds flying around his head and the stars in his eyes. Um, He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, six months, that's that's good, okay. And you're going to be a little more respectful of Natalie. Absolutely. And you're going to work on being a nice guy with your son because he still loves you. He's a great kid. He doesn't deserve having his feelings hurt or his mind played with, especially not by his dad. I like him a lot. I'm his friend, but see, I'm never going to be his father. That's your job. You better learn to do it. Yes, sir. Good. That is something that I would like to see more in these movies where, like, we once again, we normally get the, you know, you're trying to replace him as his dad thing. Right. Butch is never trying to do that. And he makes it clear here. He never tries to be his dad or anything like that. And it's it's something that I would actually like to see more in these movies as I'm someone who's had a stepdad. So I, I know how that – like I've, I have, I've had a previous stepdad. I have a current stepdad. I know how that – like – but I had a stepdad when I was young. So I know how that feels to feel like someone mm. is trying to replace. replace. Yeah. Um, and I just th- – I, I just once again wanted to like point out like like that is where they take a trope and turn it on its head. And it's really, really well done. Yeah. And it's one of the sh- – like this moment has a uh, – like – Four or five shining examples of amazingness, but they're so few and far in between that they just always kind of fall flat and they don't. That's what makes this movie okay is because there's these few moments of just, oh, my God, yes, thank you. But it's wrapped in kind of eh. Yeah, it's a shame that this was so muddied down with such – uneventful and non-payoff moments that by the time you keep getting to these good moments, there's so far a few between you forgot the last good one by the time you get to the next one. So it's just you don't feel this wave of goodness. It just keeps just dying out by the time you get to another one. So um, he then we get to the big payoff at the end when he says, get something out of my coat for your mother while they're having Thanksgiving dinner. And he goes, now he goes, yeah, it's really important. So the kid walks in a distance uh, away from the table. Dutch pulls out the gun to shoot him like he said he always would right in the ass. The kid seems like he realized this is happening. He turns around and sees Dutch smiling. Then you get to this very awkward moment where they just keep smiling and looking at each other and looking and smiling and looking. And then he puts the gun down. Everyone laughs. Oh, ha, 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 he's just kidding. Then he's looking again. Then he's smiling. Then he's looking. Then he smiles again. Then he lifts the gun. Then the kid gets nervous. And then you, his screen goes black and you hear, 
fucking ow. So did this scene not work for you? No, because it's too much. Ed O'Neill's smiling and his reactions like uh, 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 all that just didn't work for me. So this scene did work for me, actually. I was I was smiling. I thought it was cute. And here's why. Normally in a scene like this, we have uh, the mother being like, like, there's no like, oh, my God, y'all get along now. This is amazing. No, they just sit down like it's a normal dinner. There's no like applauding him or anything like that. The joke here is that, you know, like I thought I was like, oh, go get something out of the jacket. He's going to propose to her. But then I was also like, wait, he had a ring with him this whole time? Why would he have taken it? I was like, that doesn't make sense. And then the guns pulled, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so funny. But now that you pointed out, I, there is one thing that doesn't make sense. He pulls a gun out on her son, and she just said she doesn't have a real reaction. It's, I guess she knew it wasn't real? How would she know that, though? She's a chick. I mean, maybe she bought him the BB gun. I don't know. But, like, but like still, like... The one thing that doesn't work is her not having a reaction. But I, I did laugh. I did. No, not laugh. I smiled. I thought it was cute. I kind of dug it. I thought it was a nice payoff to this ongoing joke. Uh, and it's the ultimate symbol that they have bonded. Right. So I like this. I can I can see why it didn't work. Once again, linger a little too long. Yeah, too much lingering and the, the editing. If they, Listen, it, it was a great payoff, the, the fact that he's doing it. I think it's the editing I don't like. Yeah, I, I get that. And the lingering, and yeah, and the awkward smiling. I don't like that. Yeah, I get that. <clears throat> yeah, but the rest, the actual point of what's happening, fine. Very good. So that was our Dutch review for our Thanksgiving special. Thank you again, patrons of the show. We appreciate your support. You guys are awesome. You are true no ma'am. And we hope you enjoy this Thanksgiving special. Uh, Jerry, thank you for hopping on and doing this with me. I really wanted to because we wanted to say thanks and give a special. And then we'll be back with a regularly scheduled show next week, Wednesday. Jerry, I hope you could join us for that. You know, I'm going to be there because I'll be full of Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, being part of the Married with Children group, for being part of the Patreon, for uh, supporting uh, the show. And um, I'm glad y'all haven't forgot about me. I'm glad I can still pop up every once in a while and hang out with all of you people. Love it. Um, For all you Patreon members, Alex and I are uh, in talks of getting some more content exclusive to Patreon. Uh, uh, A lot of it's going to be just me and Alex, but uh, it's going to be fun. So if you have... um, a movie, I guess, that one of the characters from the show have done, you want us to review, I think me and Alex can do that for you. I think so. We've done it before. We just did it now. So I think it'll uh, be a fun thing. And we'll try to get even other patrons to hop on. I know Tyler has a microphone now. Steven Scott has a microphone. Luigi has a microphone. You know, there's a lot of people with mics now, patrons of the show, and we would love to have them hop on and uh, do some exclusive content with us, even though it's for them. But I think <laughs> I think just being on and the fun experience it could be is... I, it's a good trade-off. It's a thing in itself. Right, right. Thank you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next Wednesday.